And as you're uh, kind of coming in, we're going to be on page six in your handout to start session two. Session two is about provision. And really the theme uh, is that we can miss Jesus if we're trying to meet other people's needs through our own strength. So that's what we're going to think about uh, for the next teaching. And then again, we'll have another 15 minutes or so of reflection at the end of the time. So uh, both of my passages for tonight and tomorrow come out of Mark 6. And I love Mark 6. Uh, if for no other reason than the dynamics that you see with the disciples and with Jesus, you know, these trying circumstances, trying to feed 5,000 people and then, you know, get across the lake afterwards, they so closely mirror uh, the sorts of things that I see in my life. The challenge of trying to meet overwhelming needs with limited resources, uh, the fact that, that I always feel like I need rest and time to get away, and something always seems to get in the way. It never really seems to work out uh, the way I would like it to. Uh, I'm reminded of how often Jesus calls all of us uh, to do things that innately we know we don't really have the capacity to do apart from him. Things, you know, uh, in my case, like managing and completing some of the, the big projects that I have on my work calendar these days, or equipping and supporting our missionaries, our, our workers overseas, uh, and other pastors. Uh, even down to loving my family, really putting their needs ahead of my wants. The, the truth is, though, that at times as I wrestle, as I struggle through um, you know, trying to do those things, it can feel a little bit like Jesus is missing, like he's absent. Or if not absent, as we're going to see in, in tonight's passage, I'm just not sure what he's up to. You know, I, I believe that he's good. I know that he's there. And for the life of me, I don't know what he is doing. So if we can, if we can see it in the passages uh, tonight and tomorrow, they really have a lot to teach us about love and about trust and about mission and about really relying on God's provision in those things. Jesus is really, I think, uh, wanting us to see how he engages with us as his children so that we can learn to stop relying as much on ourselves and rely more and more on him particularly into our calling as beloved sent ones. But just like the disciples in the passage, I too am prone to miss that. And so here's kind of the summary statement for, for uh, the session. It's easy to miss Jesus when we try and make life work on our own terms, with our own resources, and through our own strength. In order to rediscover Jesus, we need to realize that Jesus is always our deepest need. And he will always provide what we need so that we can love other people. Now, the key to not missing Jesus, if you will, in these passages comes all the way at the end of tomorrow's passage. And uh, it's just a short little uh, statement, but it's so packed with meaning. Uh, all the way in Mark 6, 52, it says, They were utter utterly astonished, for the disciples had not understood what Jesus had done with the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. And what that really means is that there's kind of two lenses going on in, in the passage that we're going to look at tonight about feeding the 5,000 and then uh, when the disciples are trying to cross the lake. And the first lens is what the disciples can see. And so we're going to look at both of those passages really just asking ourselves, if we were the disciples, what would we see? How would this appear to us? How would we experience it? Knowing, because of what we read here in verse 52, that there's a second lens that Jesus can see. 
And as Jesus is looking at what the disciples are doing, as he's looking at the circumstances, he's not just looking at their outer actions, but he's looking at their inner dispositions. And he is realizing that their outer actions are not matching up with their inner dispositions. And he knows that if he can't correct this at this point in time in their ministry together, in their relationship, it's going to lead to huge problems later on. So let's take a look at the passage here. Uh, this, is, this is the New International Version, uh, mostly. I, I switched some of the stuff when I thought that I knew better than the translators of the NIV. Now, when we read this, again, just put that first lens on and say, if I were the disciples, what would I know? What would I see? What would I be experiencing in this passage? Because we as readers actually know more than, than the disciples did as they were just going through it. So, uh, Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not have, even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. So when we look at this passage, we're going to see really a busy, successful, if you will, ministry season with an invitation to rest. And then we're going to see how Jesus' plan goes horribly awry. He then issues an impossible request that's followed by an even more impossible response. So again, just using that first lens, if we're the disciples, the beginning of the passage, what do we see? How are things going? Well, outwardly, everything looks good, doesn't it? Verse 30, it's a great report of all the ministry uh, that they had been doing. And then uh, beginning of 31, there's so many people who are catching on, who want to see Jesus, who want to be involved, and they're swarming all around. They're super busy. They don't even have time to eat. Now, I've done a lot of ministry. I've been busy at times. I have never been too busy to eat because of all the ministry that was going on. But these guys are. What are they thinking to themselves? Hey, it's really working. People are really starting to like Jesus. This is pretty amazing. All the stuff he said was going to happen, it's really happening. And we're part of it. 
get to work. Keep pushing. Don't let them down. We've got to make sure that we're doing all the things that need to be done. Now, Jesus, of course, sees this going on. Is ministry going well? Yes, in fact, it is going well. But Jesus knows it's going well, not because of the disciples' efforts, but because of what the Holy Spirit's doing. And he knows that even though there are a great number of people there, it's his job to meet their needs. It's not the disciples' job to meet their needs. And so Jesus, sensing what's in their heart, and sensing that all of this busyness is really starting to put a strain on them, invites them to come away. Verse 31. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place to get some rest. I think part of what Jesus wants them to know is that you can't just muscle through like this. But even more than the rest, the real issue is trust. Who are you relying on to make your life work? When things are busy, when there's a lot to do, when it seems overwhelming... Who are you relying on in order to make your life work? Are you going to rely on yourself and your own strength, your own abilities? Or are you going to come to Jesus? Or are you going to rely on the Holy Spirit? So Jesus makes this invitation for them uh, to go and, and get some rest. And you know, then, then I have to confess, I, you know, I've always been fascinated by these next several verses because it doesn't happen, right? He says, come on, we're going to go, we're going to get out of here. And everyone gets wind of what's happening, and they can see where they're going. They all take off. They show up ahead of them. Jesus get it wrong? Did he make a mistake? Is this part of his limitation, you know, by, by taking on, uh, you know, human nature, that, that he didn't anticipate that, you know, that all this was going to happen? I don't think so, actually. I think Jesus actually is doing all of these things because he has a plan. And his real plan is to help the disciples see that they have turned to self-reliance. And that self-reliance is a result of their hard-heartedness, and their hard-heartedness is a result of their unbelief. And so he is taking them from busy circumstances into daunting circumstances. Instead of telling them, this is what I see going on in your hearts, he's custom-crafting a situation so that they can start to see what's going on in their hearts. Now, if I was one of the disciples, and I will freely admit I am cranky, I am cynical, I'm in it for me most days. If I was one of the disciples, and boat landed, and now there's, now notice there's not just 5,000 people, 5,000 men, plus some of them would have brought their families with them. So thousands and thousands of people who have raced ahead to get there, my heart would have been saying, are you kidding me? Seriously, come, come with us to a quiet place to get some rest. This is your idea, Jesus? Well, you know, what did you lead us into? What is going on here? I'm supposed to be getting time off. I'm not getting time off. Jesus, of course, sees the people, sees their need. He has compassion on them. Now, I have to admit, in my life, sometimes it gets busy. I would imagine every single person here in your life, you feel like it's busy. Sometimes too busy. Just in January, 
Uh, January has been very busy. We started off the month with uh, twice a year, Surge's global leadership team meets together to do strategic planning and operational goals. So that's how we started January. Uh, I've had several weekends in a row where I've been on the road. Uh, I have large work projects that need to continue to make progress even while I'm traveling. And uh, for, by my accounting, they're not making enough you know, progress. And so even coming into this week, I was feeling a little angsty. I'm excited to be here because this is what I love doing, but there's all the rest of the stuff that I can just, you know, kind of feel building up, you know, behind me. It's not getting done, and what about all those emails and budgets are due, and all the rest of that. And then just this week, I found out that my uber-capable ministry assistant is leaving. One of our credit card numbers got stolen during an online purchase, so we had to cancel the credit card and track it down and get a whole new credit card issued. Uh, during the cold snap, uh, some of our pipes froze. Uh, a couple hours before I was getting on the plane to come down here, I cracked the filling. And as all of this is happening, what am I thinking to myself? Are you putting me on, Jesus? Seriously, I'm not going to Florida to a beach to go enjoy myself. I'm coming to serve you. I'm coming to teach on your behalf. I'm coming to help people connect with you. Help them not miss Jesus. And so Jesus, my smart, ad smart aleck older brother, I think was saying, yeah, exactly. The disciples weren't getting it. And so he is taking them to a place. He's putting a more fine point on it and saying, who do you really trust? Who are you looking to? Now, of course, you know, the, the story doesn't end there. It really starts to come to a climax here. And part of, part of me is just like, Jesus, that doesn't make any sense. And Jesus is like, it doesn't make sense to you, Patrick, when you think of rest as something other than depending on me. But when you think about rest as being wholly dependent on me, feeding 5,000 people can be just as restful as coming away to a quiet place. So in verses 35 through 38, this is kind of the high point of the passage. And uh, we read in John 6, in the parallel telling of this story, that Jesus even specifically turns to Philip. I think he chose Philip because Philip was from the area. So he knows exactly what the lay of the land is, what, what sorts of resources would be available in the villages. He turns to Philip, and then he, Jesus, uh, says to Philip, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? There's all these people here. And why did he do that? He, Jesus, asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus already knows. And so here he is, older brother, kind of poking Philip in the side. Oh, no! All these people! And we're out here in the middle of nowhere, right, Philip? And we don't have enough bread, and they don't have enough... What's going to happen? Now, when it says that Jesus is testing Philip, what do you think the test is? If Philip was going to get it right, what would Philip need to do to pass the test? I think the test is this. Philip, disciples, Patrick, do you believe that I really love you and will take care of you? Do you think that I'm going to abandon you to your own efforts and powers and resources? Or do you believe that you're my child and that I will take care of you 
and that I will not only just take care of you, but I will work in your life in such a way so that you can love other people, so that you can help other people meet me, so that my compassion for people without sheep can become your compassion for people who act like sheep without a shepherd. You see, from Jesus' perspective, even though this is the only thing that the disciples can see, no rest, 5,000 people, how do we feed them? From Jesus' perspective, the issue isn't feeding 5,000 people. Jesus knows exactly how they're going to be fed. And if you think about it for a second, I mean, Jesus created the sun and the moon and the stars. I don't think he's remotely worried about coming up with some bread and some fish. The real issue is trust. Who or what are we going to look to to meet and supply our needs? Now, Jesus knows that for the disciples, so far it's been their effort. And as we're going to see in the passage, they're also going to look to their resources instead of his provision. And so Jesus is trying to remind the disciples in no uncertain terms that they need him far more than they think that they do. So when he says, you give them something to eat, what's their response? And it's the response that tells you what's going on in their heart. Well, notice what they don't do. They don't ask Jesus to provide. They don't confess their inability. They just look around and say, all right, he said give them something to eat. Must be up to us. What can we do? And, of course, they do what any of us would do. They take a look at the resources. There's no solution here, Jesus. There's no place to get the bread, even if we could get the bread. It's prohibitively expensive. We don't have enough here with us. The only thing we have are, you know, some little tiny handmade barley loaves and, you know, a couple little pieces of dried fish. That's it. 5,000 people, that's what we can come up with. The whole time, internally, I think what Jesus is really saying is, guys, your biggest need here isn't for bread. It's not about the fish. It's about me. Your biggest need is for me. It's to learn that I can provide for you, that I will never abandon you. I'm your greatest resource. I'm your deepest need. The fact that you aren't running to me with all the things that are causing the worry, the fact that you are not finding this to be restful, even though I'm here, even though I've promised to take care of you, that's really what the issue is. Your unbelief is blinding you to what I can actually do. And so here, I've taken you to this place that seems impossible, that seems overwhelming, so that you can see that kind of folly and repent and turn. But you're not doing that, are you? Now, it's interesting. Two things tend to happen, I think, when we're relying on our own strengths and gifts and abilities. In my life, when I'm doing that, I become far less likely to experience the joy and peace that comes from resting on Jesus. In fact, I start to act a little bit like a spiritual orphan. One of the first places that uh, Surge started working when we began as a missions agency uh, was in Uganda right after the days of Idi Amin. And uh, there, there were hundreds, thousands of these children that had either forcibly been taken away from their parents or whose parents had been killed in the war. And they'd been turned into child soldiers. And as a result of being victims of this, they now became violators. And in those children, they, they knew there was no help, there was no provision. Anything you needed to do to make it through the day, that's what you did. If it meant lie, steal, cheat, in some cases murder, 
That's what you did. You had to take care of yourself. And my heart secretly starts to move towards that orientation when I look at all the circumstances and all of the things that I think I'm being asked to do, and I forget to look to Jesus first. So I, I start to forget my identity, but as I forget my identity, I also lose my calling. Notice, it's only Jesus who has compassion on the crowds. It's not the disciples who are having compassion on the crowds. So when I'm relying on my strengths and gifts and abilities, I'm far less likely to remember that I am called to reach out and love others to expand God's kingdom. Each of us tonight here are beloved sent ones. If you lose either one of those things, we really miss Jesus' heartbeat for us. Beloved, but also sent on mission with him. So here's the setup. All of this has happened. What's Jesus' response now? Well, Jesus does a miracle, of course, uh, so that people's need for food is met. Notice what an amazing miracle it is, too. Everybody got to eat as much as they wanted. They all ate until they were satisfied, and afterwards there are just baskets of bread, baskets of fish that are, all, that are left over there collected afterwards. Why did Jesus have them collect everything that was left over? So it wouldn't go to waste? Eh, maybe. Good recycling? Eco-warrior? You know, eh, no, probably not. He wanted them to see that when he works, it's not stingy, right? There's no half measures. Everybody got everything that they needed, and there was a great abundance that was left over. And the disciples, they had the joy of participating. They got to distribute the bread. So, you know, you guys have seen how the Lord's Supper works in your churches. Imagine distributing Lord's Supper to 5,000 men plus however many, you know, women, children came along with them. I mean, this would have taken a long time for all of these things to happen. The disciples, again, are kind of, you know, getting tapped on the head there by Jesus. I can supply everything you need. The real question is, are you going to come to me? Where, where is your heart going to go to rest? I think that that's, that's a question that in my life, um, it doesn't take much to kind of reveal how quickly my heart starts to shift. Things are going well? Oh, yeah. Love Jesus. Trust Jesus. And then almost comically, you know, one little thing kind of gets out of place. Oh, no, what am I going to do? This is terrible. How is it going to happen? <sighs> right? And the whole time, Jesus is standing there saying, Patrick, who do you trust? Me, my abilities, you, your abilities. And really what that points back to, I think, is this. Our deepest needs are rarely what they think they are. What did the disciples, if we're just looking through that first lens, what did the disciples think that their biggest needs were? Rest, resources, the ability to meet the needs of the crowd, Jesus knows that that's not the case. Our need for Jesus is always our deepest need. Jesus is exceedingly clear on that, even when they can't see that. And so what does he do? And I got to tell you, if I could change it, I would change it, because I don't like this little methodology of Jesus's. But he is who he is, and I am who I am. When he sees me relying on myself, looking to these other things, he does in my life just what he does with the disciples. 
he is very comfortable drawing those that he loves into situations that seem out of control and overwhelming so that they will have to rely on him and his power and his provision. And he's not doing that because he's some crazy taskmaster. He's not doing that so that we finally get the point and shape up and do the right things. He's doing that because that's where true freedom lies. Resting entirely upon Jesus with our entire hearts. That is where truth and freedom and beauty and rest and life are found. And so when he, sees his, when he sees that at work in the life of his disciples, when he knows that there are competing allegiances in their hearts, he continues to bring them to places where they really do have to come back to that question. Who do you trust? What are you going to rely on? All right, well, we want to give you another uh, 15 minutes or so to reflect on that. There's some questions in your guide. Feel free to use those. Uh, feel free to go anyplace else that Jesus would like to take you. Uh, I'll keep an eye on the clock for you, and I'll wrap us up when we're at time.